0: Hi! In previous parts of this digital logic uh, tutorial design series, we've taken a look at basic uh, digital logic gates, all you need to know about those, and uh, digital Boolean logic and De Morgan's Theorems. And then we uh, switched over to designing combinatorial logic circuits, and we went through all the, the commutative laws, and the associative laws, distributive laws, and stuff like that. So I'll link in those videos if you haven't seen it. In that video, I promised I'd show you a way to actually do digital logic, reduction, not using any algebra at all, but using a visual method called Karno maps. Let's take a look at it. It's pretty magical. Let's say we've got our truth type of our logic function that we want here, okay? we've got uh, three inputs here, a, b and c, and we've got one output we'll call x. And of course, uh, with three inputs, that gives us a eight different uh, binary states that we can have on the input. So we potentially have eight different output functions here. And we can write this as an algebraic expression pretty easy. We can use sum of products. As we learned in the previous video, sum of products is we find all of the ones here uh, on our output, and then we write that as a product expression because it's a sum of products, okay? So, uh, the product expression here is not a, like this, because it's a zero, and uh, one b, is a 1, so we just call it B, and C is a 0, so that is not C, like that. And we've got more than one 1 on the output here, so we have to sum the different products. So we do the products of the other one that we've got here, which is A, like that, and B is a uh, 1, so it's just B, and C is a 0 here, so that is not c, like that. And that is our expression. So x equals that. So that's our uh, algebraic logic expression for that function. But we want to simplify this, because if you try and implement that with uh, just discrete gates, you'll find, yeah, you can do it. But you'll end up with too many gates. Now, of course, we can solve this algebraically, but who likes solving algebra equations? Yeah, yeah nah. But let's let's do it anyway, okay? So this, uh, we find that b is the same here, okay? So we can take out b as a separate function, and then we've got c is the same either side, or sorry, not C is the same. So we can actually take out that, so it's B and C there. So we're left with, we'll put a bracket in there like that, and we're left with not A and A. So it's not A like that plus A. Okay, so that is, uh, you know, this is algebra stuff. It doesn't matter whether you're doing mathematical algebra or digital algebra like this. The rules are the same. Now, this not a plus a here, we can actually uh, simplify that, no problems whatsoever, because not a plus a is, it's always 1. So that gives us b, not c, and then 1, like that, right? Or we can put 1 in brackets like that, and because this is like and 1, well, like, we could put the dots in there, like some people like putting the dots in there like that. You don't have to. You can leave it out. It's implied that it's an AND uh, function. So if you AND B not C with 1, well, that just equals (laughs) B not C, like that. We've simplified this algebraic expression to just B and not C. Easy. So we can just draw that as an AND gate like that, and we could go B, and of course C is not, like that, so we need to put an inverter, and c, like that, and that's our output, x. And you'll notice that a, it doesn't matter what a is, um, we always get that output function is only dependent upon b and c. And if you don't believe me, you can do this by inspection of the table, right? Our, our output's 1 here, okay? It's when b is, B and c is one zero. b and c here is also one zero. And it doesn't matter whether A is a 0 or a 1 in this case, you get a 1. So that's why A does not matter. It's, uh, you only uh, rely upon B and C to give you the output X there. But if we implemented this function up here with gates, we'd be act- actually using because a is in our expression there. So we can actually draw this original function here and see how many gates we've actually saved. So here it is. This original algebraic expression, if we just implemented that directly with gates, we would ended up with two three-input AND gates, an OR gate, and three inverters like this. And we have now actually simplified that to a two-input AND gate and an inverter. And that's the power of not only algebraic simplification, you can do this uh, via algebraic uh, mathematical methods, or you can do it visually using Carnot maps that I'm about to show you. But you m- might have noticed, the keen eye here might have noticed, oh Dave, look, all you had to, you didn't need this extra inverter in here. You could have actually connected that directly up to there. And if you spotted that, bonus internet points. But these sort of circuit simplifications here are the entire point of doing Karnaugh maps and also algebraic uh, logic like this, and algebraic uh, simplification as well. And this, you, know, you might think, oh, who designs with discrete logic chips anymore? No one, right? Well, no, <laughs> you do inside uh, FPGAs and inside uh, and ASIC chips and inside processors and things like that. You don't want to be implementing this many gates if you can get away with just this, because not only do you have the extra gates in the extra silicon, you also have the extra uh, propagation delay time to get every every stage of gate you go through increases your propagation delay. Uh, that slows down your the maximum frequency of your chip, like your latest Intel processor or whatever it is. So you definitely want to be simplifying logic. So there is still a huge place for learning this sort of stuff. So this clever dude called Maurice Kano, he figured out in the 1960s, I think, that you can actually uh, do this visually, this simplification visually, without any algebraic skills whatsoever. Alright, so what we're going to do now is we're going to draw a table that has the same number of squares as elements in our truth table. So we've got three inputs for our truth table. So that's eight inputs over here. So we need a... Uh, map of eight inputs like this and I'll put a line there and you can draw this in any orientation. It could be uh, like two across by four down, four across by two down, it doesn't actually matter. And now we're going to map our input variables on here. So A, B on one, C, once again they could be, it doesn't matter what orientation, it could be A and C and B and C, It it doesn't matter. As long as you map the correct information over here to the correct part of the Carnot map here, and this is called a Carnot map. So, because of our inputs, okay, we need our C can be a 0 or a 1, just like over in our true table, and our A and B can be a 0 and a 1. And then we just uh, number these differently, like this, for all of the possible states. Now, if you had a keen eye, you would have noticed something that you might think I got wrong. But I didn't, and this is a key part of Carnot Maps. I numbered these 00, 01, 11, and then 10. Huh? That's not how you count in binary. That's right, we're counting in grey code. And this is one of the tricks to a, a how a Carnot Map works, to actually simplify the Boolean uh, expression. And you don't technically, you don't have to do it in grey code order like this. But if you don't, The the Kano map technically still works, but you won't get the most optimised, simplified solution. So I'll show you a bigger 4x4 Kano map in a minute, but Kano maps can be uh, basically, they can be like 2x4 like this, they can even be 2x2, but what's the point? They can be 8x8, 16x16, etc. But once they get too big, then you start going, well, <laughs> okay, it's a bit unwieldy to do this kind of thing on paper, and you might let, uh, you know, you might let a computer or a simulator uh, do it for you. But anyway, so what we do now is trans for all of these output data and map them into here. Um, so a, b, and c is 0, So a, b, and c is 0, So we've got a zero here. So that means we're gonna put a zero in there like that. But I won't bore you with the details. I'll go through and uh, map all of these eight uh, lines from our truth table over to here. And there it is, there. And trust me, you can go and check for yourself that this truth table equals this Carnot map. And this is one of the areas where you might potentially make a mistake if you're doing Carnot maps. Uh, you don't map it over correctly. You just didn't double check. So if you're not familiar with the concept of grey code, it's not something that I'll particularly go into here. I might have to do a separate video on it. But a grey code is where only one bit changes at a time. So from 00 to 01, and from 01 to 1-1 one, one like this. Because if we went 1-0, then we would have had this one changing and this one changing as well. And that's not how grey code works. Grey code works by only one bit changing at a time. And this has uh, advantages in things like uh, mechanical uh, contactors. So if you've got like multiple wipes on a big mechanical switch and you're trying to decode the position of a switch, you would typically use grey code to prevent like uh, multiple race conditions and stuff like that. There's some other reasons you might Uh, use grey code as well. But in this particular case, only one bit changes at a time, and that's going to really help us with our Kano map optimization. And you'll see over here, we have some rules. It's not as bad as it looks. Once you've done these Kano maps once or twice, it's easy peasy lemon squeezy, okay? But the whole idea of Kano maps is that we want to group together our 1s inside the Carnot map like this. Now this is a really simple Carnot map. We've only, uh, only happened to have two ones. So what we can do is we group our 1s together like this, okay? Now, you can only group 1s in groups of 2, in groups of 4, groups of 8, or 16, etc. You can't do 3s. So if we had like a 1 here, like this, we can't group three ones like that. It, it doesn't work. You, you would have to group the two ones like that, and then the two ones again like this. Like I just showed, rule number two here is the groups can overlap. You can overlap them as many and in any order that you are like. Now, the third rule is, is that every one must be grouped. So if you've got like a one over here on its lonesome, then you would have to just group it as just on its own as a one. And we'll see why that's not very advantageous later, but you have to group all of your ones. In Carnot maps, you ignore all zeros. You just completely ignore them, because we're dealing with sums of products. So zeros aren't, you know, you just ignore them at all. And the whole idea is to group ones. You'll see why in a minute. Fourth rule here is you can only group hori- vertically, like this. It, or if this was a one, you could group two horizontally like that. Or if you had a bigger Carnot map with like four of them like this, you could group all four like that. Um, so horizontally, vertically, but also so wrap in. Now, here's one of the magical bits of Kano maps. You can imagine you can fold this Kano map over into a three-dimensional shape. You can even do it into a cylinder, like top to bottom, so that this wraps around to this, or this side wraps around to this side, for example. Or you can actually wrap the whole thing into what looks like a torus. Um, you don't have to visualize it that much. It's not that important, but the fact is you could wrap them. So if we actually had a one here and a one here, we could actually group them like this. You actually draw it like that. Now the fifth rule here is that you want to use the largest groups possible, okay? So if you see a group of four ones together, don't just do, like, you know, if the, if this was a one and this was a one, don't do two separate groups of one like that because it'll work It'll still work, your logic will still come out correct, but it won't be the most optimized solution. The way you get the most optimized solution, like we saw here, just like over here, we want the most optimized solution like this. And we do that by grouping together the largest number of ones. I won't go into details about how mathematically how this works, because that's like really quite complicated. You can go down the rabbit hole, but Carnot maps are brilliant they work if you group them into the largest possible groups of one. But you've got to map, make sure what every one is in a group, even if it's, even if this is a one and it's on its lonesome, you have to account for it. And you want to, of course, use the least number of groups because every time you do a circle like this, every time you group ones, that actually will end up being a plus term, like B, C, something like this. So let's say we had like three groups of ones in there like that, we would actually, uh, this is not probably correct, I'm just drawing random letters, but we would actually have three product terms in there if we have three circles. So each circle is a product term, and then this is the sum of products, so it's sum plus sum of a product. Like this, got it? So you want to minimize your number of groups, otherwise your expression ends up being bigger than it needs to be. But it'll still be correct. You can goof up Carnot maps and do it non-optimally, but you'll just end up with a bigger expression, not optimized Don't want that. whole idea is optimization. Now, here's how we solve our Carnot map. As I said, this is a very simple one. It's only got that one grouped term, that one product term. So x here is going to be equal to just one Term. So the first thing you need to learn about a maps is grouping ones together in the most optimized way possible. The second and final part of solving a Carnot map is uh, to find which inputs are dependent. What this means is that we've grouped these two ones, okay? Now we solve each loop, each grouping uh, separately, okay? Each product term. So which of these inputs, A, B, and C, is it dependent upon? Well, it's dependent upon C because it's C doesn't change at all, okay? But A and B, these have different values. So you look for the uh, input that doesn't change, remember? The one that doesn't change. And is it A? A goes from a zero to a one here. Well, that changes. It's not dependent on A. But it is dependent on B, because B is a one and a one. And likewise, C hasn't changed and B hasn't changed. So, bingo, we've only got our two inputs. So our B input is a 1, so we write down B like that. And then it's AND. You can put the dot in here or not. It doesn't matter. Some people like to have it just to, you know, (laughs) for sanity's sake. But it means AND. And C, but C's a zero. So you go NOT C, like that. Uh Aha! You notice something? That is exactly the same as that. Bingo! We've solved (laughs) this equation up here that was complex before, we've solved it visually using Carnot Maps. And because we've only got one summed, one circle in there, one group in, there's only one product term, and it's B and not C. Easy. Easy peasy, I told you, Carnot maps are brilliant. You don't have to solve any algebraic equations at all. And even though this is quite a simple one, they can actually get quite complex the bigger, you know, it gets. So, and you can easily make a mistake doing this. And granted, you can make mistakes doing Carnot maps too. There's two ways to make a mistake in Carnot maps. One is mapping uh, from there to there. And the other one is then mapping your groupings like this down to your sum of products terms plus, you know, C, D, or whatever it is down here. But I love Carnot Maps, I just love the elegant simplicity of this. And if you do Carnot Maps right, using the grey code, like I said here, um, and also you, you map it, and you figure out all the ones, the largest number of ones, like the largest groups, and, you, and the least number of groups, you will always, always end up with the most optimized algebraic solution for your truth table. Brilliant, huh? Let's just run through another example. Uh, in this case, we've got four terms. I haven't redrawn a true table here, but anyway, we would have 16 elements down here because we'd have A, B, C and D here, okay? Once again, we've got our grey code along here and our grey code down here like this. As I said, it doesn't have to be grey code, but if you don't use grey code, you don't get the optimized solution. So how can we group the ones here? Well, we can't do three like this, unfortunately. Um, so the obvious one is one one, one one, one one, one, one. So let's solve this, okay. x equals. now because we've got 4, uh, grouped terms here. Where no, we're going to have four products. So it'll be product one plus product two plus plus product three plus product four. So we're going to have four products with the sum of those in our x term, okay? So let's start with this group up here. It, it doesn't matter which order you do them in. The logic expression comes out, it'll, the products will be in different order, but that doesn't matter for your logical expression. still exactly the same, okay? So you'll notice, well, let's go, right? Because it's vertical like this, it means that A and B could change, but which one is not changing? Well, A is not changing, okay? So we know that it's dependent upon A. Our output is dependent upon the one that does not change here. So B is changing from a zero to a one. So B gets eliminated from the equation. But C and D here, uh, because it's a vertical grouping like that, C and D uh, don't change at all. So, but is a zero, so it's not C. And then D is a one up here, so it's D like that. So we've finished our first uh, product term. So uh, we, it's a sum of products. So uh, plus here, let's work on this one here. Which does A and B? No, A and B doesn't change, but A is a zero. So that's not A and B, because B is a one. And then uh, which one doesn't change out of C and D here? C is the one that doesn't change, and because it's a one, it has to get included. But D changes from a one to a zero in this group, so it gets eliminated from our equation. So that's our second product term. So we go plus, let's do this one down here. Um, uh, A doesn't change. B changes, so it gets eliminated. Uh, and this one here, C is a 1, and D is a 0, so it goes like that. And our last grouping down here, A doesn't change, so it's A and it's not B because B is a 0 there. Um, and uh, it's not C, like that. Bingo! So there is our optimised expression. This is as optimised as it gets for this particular table, but there is more than one way to solve this. We won't simplify it any further, but we can actually group these in different ways. So instead of uh, grouping these like this, let's, let's group them slightly differently, okay? You, we, we could group, for example, this one here with this one down here. Remember, we can do the wrapping thing. We can group that one with this one over here like this, and then we could uh, group these two, like that. So what equation do we end up with down here? Well, let's do this one up the top here. Uh, okay, so A, and it wraps around like like this, okay? It looks like B's not changing, okay? Between there and there. B's are zero. So we've got not B, A changes, so it gets eliminated. And then C and D. Not C, like that, and D. And I'll go through the rest of them. Uh, let, let's do this one here. Not A... B, and uh, D, like that. Okay, so it's slightly uh, changed. This one over here, B doesn't change, and C doesn't change, and D doesn't change, but it's a not, because it's a zero. And last of all, this one down here and here. We've got A like that, and not B, and uh, looks like not D, like that. I think I've got that correct. <laughs> you can double check that uh, down below. But these two expressions are absolutely identical. Even though they've got different terms in them. It just depends on how you group these ones. But you notice that all, that both of these uh, expressions have four product terms terms like this and they've both got the same number of inputs. I've got three, 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 three like that, etc. So neither of those is uh, reducing the number of gates that you need to actually uh, produce this logic output. That's the whole idea of Carnot Maps. We're minimizing the number, minimizing the size of our Boolean expression, which means the number of sums like this, and also the number of terms inside each product like that as well. But they're both the same, they're just organized differently. But these, if you implement the logic gates with these, it'll be exactly the same. Another quick example of a 4x4, I won't go on to an 8x8, but it works exactly the same way. I've just, uh, once again, it doesn't match uh, this truth table over here, so just ignore that uh, truth table. Can't put my hand over it, (laughs) doesn't work that way. So what is the largest group that we can actually make here? Well, obviously, it's a four by four. Bingo. And if we had like, an, if these two were ones like this, we couldn't group six of them. Remember, it's got to be a multiple, a single or a multiple of uh, twos. But we could actually have um, two groups of four overlaid, overlapped like that. But let's go back to the original here. Now, we've got two ones lying out here like this. Well, we can actually group... The two ones overlapping like that. But remember, we every single one must be grouped in here. So this one, we can't go diagonally like that. You can't do it. You can't wrap around to either of the sides or anything. So that one's out there on its lonesome. And you'll see the penalty that we pay for that. There's nothing we can do about it. Like, (laughs) we we can't do anything. That's just um, you'll, you'll see what happens. So let's take our group of four like this. Which one are A and B? Which one doesn't change? Which is it dependent upon? X equals B like that. And X equals D. So it's just B and D plus, because we've got three groupings, we're going to have three sum terms here. So let's do this one down here like this. Which one is it dependent upon? It's dependent upon A, like that. And uh, C and D. A, C, D, like that. And then we've got to do or, OR. We've got to do the sum again. Now this one over here on its own, here's the penalty we pay for only grouping the one like this. A and B. It's got, so A and B, it's dependent upon that, because A and B doesn't change, but they're both knots. And then C and D. So C is a 1, and D is a 0, like that. So there's our final term. That is our optimized term like that. And you'll notice that we've got 2 here, 3 here, and 4 um, uh, product terms in there like that. And that was related to how many ones we circled. you notice that because we grouped four together like this, we eliminated two of the terms. So we only end up with two dependent terms. This one here is only a group of two. So we ended up with three dependent terms terms there. That's why we ended up with three terms in our uh, product there. And this one out on its lonesome, the penalty we pay is that you have to group in four terms like that. So you need extra AND gates. (laughs) You need a four input AND gate, a four input AND gate, a three input AND gate, and a two input AND gate like this. This is why you want to maximize the number of ones like that. Because if you can group eight ones, but let's assume it was our lucky day and we had (laughs) eight ones like this, okay? So we can group our eight ones like that. Whoa! But we've also got four ones like this, but we've also got four, instead of just doing those two, that would have covered it, but you remember, we want to use the largest groups possible. So we can group another group of four, like that, okay? So let's actually solve that one. You'll see that with a massive group of eight, like that, the terms C and D get eliminated entirely, because both of them change in there, okay? So C and D is eliminated, and because uh, we've got a, basically a group of, like a, a two group like that, it's a similar to a vertical group of two like that, it means that only A is the only one that doesn't change. So our term is just not A, like that. OR, <laughs> which is a plus, that's what OR means. And we've got this term in here like this, exactly the same as before. That's a B and a D. And then we go OR. And then we've got uh, this one here, which is that uh, C and D doesn't change. So C, D and um, A is completely eliminated because we did that. So that is our final expression like that. We've got a lower number of input terms here. Um, Because, like, the most we have is a two-input AND gate, for example. And that's just a one, don't even need an AND gate there. Eliminated entirely, because we had a group of eight. Magic. So that's Carnot maps for you! I love them! They're so easy! You don't have to learn, uh, you know, solving algebraic equations like this. You can just do it, as long as you've got, like, this sounds like a lot of rules, but it's not. Just do it. Do a few examples once or twice, and, you know, it's really uh, trivial stuff. Really, there's only two steps. One is mapping. That to that, which is pretty easy, unless you like goof it up copying across, it's easy. You got to know your gray code, okay, like this. But as I explained, you don't actually have to do that. I could do this one zero like that, and then one one like that, and one zero here, and one one down there. Um, It'd still work. You could still use Kano maps to solve, you'll just end up with potentially more terms like this. In fact, we can swap these rows willy-nilly, right? We can have these in any, any order. As I said, this could be C and A, and this could be D and B here, and you can swap them around until the cows come home, but there's only one way that will give you the optimized solution, and that's to use the gray code encoding with one bit changing at a time. And you can go into the complex math of why that's the case. But the grey code is the key to the optimization. It'll still work without it. But, yeah. You'll just get extra terms in, you are know, using more gates. No one's use more gates. Last thing we want in the world is more gates. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that look at Carnot maps. They're really great. I, I love, I've always loved Carnot maps. I just love the elegant simplicity of it. It was brilliant how it, it just, as long as you do the maximum number of groups in here, you'll always end up with the most optimized algebraic solution possible, and hence the least number of gates. Fantastic. Anyway, hope you found it interesting and found it useful. If you did, please give it a big thumbs up. As always, discuss down below. Catch you next time. Wow.